Yo, 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 welcome to another edition of Roundball Ramble. I am your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinMBA. There's a Hoopball presentation, so make sure to check out Hoopball on Twitter at HoopballTweets online, hoop-ball.com. The preseason is underway. Uh, NBA season is going to start in just over a week. Definitely make sure to be on hand for that. Fancy basketball is in full swing. I am already in two drafts, slow drafts. Thank the goodness for that. But if you want to get ahead and an edge on your fantasy leagues, definitely make sure to check out Hoopball between their fantasy draft guide, their who to pick up, who to drop, all of that, you know, breaking news um, highlights there as well. All of that's available for you. So definitely make sure to check that out one more time. Hoop-ball.com on Twitter at hoop ball tweets we here at round ball ramble are not in the season yet preseason to me does not count we are still previewing the season reviewing the season doing some off-season draft content it's all in the works here at round ball ramble and today i am excited to be joined again by my friend anarud as we go and preview the southwest division anarud how you doing man i'm doing great how are you I'm doing good, man. I'm hyped. I'm excited. I mean, literally, I, I don't, I'm not the biggest fan of preseason. It's, it's, I, I like being able to see them in the new duds, you know what I mean? But I think people read a lot into it um, when it doesn't matter. As a Lakers fan, I just habitually cannot do that as Lakers. Has LeBron even played a game yet? You know, he's played one half and okay. he didn't look too great. I mean, he looks healthy. He looks normal, but he didn't look great in terms of rhythm and stuff. And as a whole, the Lakers just haven't looked great at all. Um, you know, it feels like that's a Lakers thing for the last couple of years. Yeah, preseason is just not – Is I mean, and I get it. LeBron saying don't read into it. And, but mind you, LeBron, well, I don't doubt him. I mean, he said this – I mean, if you look at the slow starts his teams have had and where they end up, like there isn't a whole lot to read into. But watching the Suns, you know, kind of blow past the Lakers by like 15, it just gave me flashbacks to last season playoffs, and that's not a pleasant sight for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, preseason, all I really like to do is see some of the new coaches. What are they doing? Like Portland, Dallas, uh, Washington, just trying to see, get an idea of what the coaches like to run. Or if there were any big rookies that are coming up. So, like Jalen Green, I wanted to watch. Um, I want to watch Giddy. Mm-hmm. He's like kind of one of my favorite prospects who doesn't get hyped up that much. Mm, that is true. That but, is true. He's the sleeper, right? Yeah. And in general, I think just the young guys in this draft are really interesting to see. And preseason is the first time we get to see them in an NBA format. That is true. That's very true. How they may adjust. And, and, and to be fair, there are some cool moments, you know, there are some electric finishes, some cool dunks, all of that. I just, it just reminds me how close we are to the actual season. And that's what I'm really looking forward to. So I'm pumped there, but it does give time to do these, um, you know, little previews of, of the division. I thought that'd be cool. You know, we've been doing a few here on the route in terms of, you know, team previews and just overall looks, but I think this will be fun to look at division. It's very interesting in terms of how they fit into the West. And that is the Southwest division uh, between the Rockets, the Spurs, the Mavericks, the Pelicans, and the Grizzlies. And we're doing this in the round ball ramble fashion, which is really just the pros of Layden, but I'm excited to kind of get into it. I think it gives a, a little bit of a loose overview of it in a way that is unique, uh, especially since we've kind of done a bunch of team previews here on Rambo Rambo that you can check out, including one um, on the Mavericks specifically. So, you know, we, we have some stuff, uh, some content um, here for sure. I'm sorry. Did we do one on the Mavericks, didn't we? On the route, so. I think we did. Yeah, I'm, I'm so, yeah. dude, it's been a lot of podcasts. It's been a long month. <laughs> I'm forgetting. I'm like, I'm pretty sure we oh, did, but worry. definitely make sure to check it out. Listen, basically what I'm trying to say is there's a bunch of content on hoop ball. So definitely make sure to check that out under Rambo Ramble uh, for sure. But first little question here I have for you, 
on the route is when you look at the Southwest division, I feel like this is not the hardest of questions, but it's an intriguing one. It can go different ways. Who's the most exciting rookie for you? So I think the guy that's the obvious answer here is Jalen Green. He's an electric scorer and everyone's just going to love him. He might have some 40 point games this season. He's just that good of a scorer and they're going to give the ball to him. Uh, but the guy I'm really excited to watch is Alperin Shingun. Yes. Same team. He was so much fun in summer league. Yes. Great. He has great footwork. He plays very methodical and it's just, he's the kind of guy that I enjoy watching. Um, I think like, so when I was scouting him, he does, he has a night, he shot like 79% from the free throw line. So hopefully he'll be able to become a solid three point shooter. He has some like point forward skills. And he does, like, score off the dribble for the perimeter, so he's very intriguing. Um, as a big, he is not a rim protector, but he does, like, have some nice chase-down blocks occasionally. Mm-hmm. And then, like, the other the thing that makes him weird is that, like, he's not a good rim protector, but he's actually pretty good on the perimeter. He can slide his feet, and he can, like, play out to guards and actually defend them quite well. So it's, like, it's almost like offensively, He's similar to Ennis Cantor, but defensively, he's the exact opposite. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay. So, in, in terms of actually being competent on that before. Yeah. That and is also just like being a guy who can move his feet. Yeah, that's true. You're right. Because, I mean, oftentimes, for as limber as Cantor looks on one end of the floor, he looks like his feet are made of cement on the other. Absolutely. So, I, I'm totally with you on that for sure. Um, what I liked about him, obviously, uh, and I said this to a player comp that it's not perfect, but it's one I'm very intrigued by, um, like a Luis Gola type. Yeah, I think that's interesting. Like the one that I hear a lot is Kevin Love mm-hmm. with a little more perimeter skills. And I think Luis Gola would be a pretty good comp for him. He's a guy who can pass, handle, shoot, defend. And he's kind of just like a big wing with the size of a big. That is true. That is true. Just being able to have that ability there. I, I like I like the Kevin Love um, analogy. I just feel like he's – and maybe it's just biased from not seeing Kevin Love, Minnesota Kevin Love. You know what I mean? But in terms of him having a type of um, – what is it called? A type of polished low post game. Yeah, I think Minnesota just kind of makes people forget who some of the bigs were. I mean, you had Garnett. Kind of got underrated. You mm-hmm. have Kevin Love, who was solid in Minnesota. And now and you just tell. kind of forget. Yeah, that's true. Because now I see Kevin Love as like a very good spot shooter, you know, but uh, no, a guy who can get in the low post and do some things with back to basket. But I don't remember him as like this treasure trove chest, uh, treasure trove guy of, of back to the basket moves that he probably was, but it's been a couple of years. So remind me after this pod, look at Minnesota Kevin Love. But um, going from there, I, I like I like that uh, pick for Shingun. Uh, obviously, Jalen Green is a guy I'm most hyped by. He's definitely my type of player, um, just with what he brings to the table on that end of the floor, being able to fill it up as as a rookie instantly. We saw him in summer league as well, and he was someone that I was definitely intrigued by. That, that shot um, making ability translated very well to summer league. I think it will translate very well to the regular season as is already doing in the preseason, but he averaged 20 points per game in the, in the, in the preseason 50, 
8% from the field, 53% from three, just really electric in general, and someone I'm excited to see paired with Kevin Porter Jr. Uh, moving forward. But I definitely like a lot of these picks. In fact, if you look at the Rockets in general, you look at Shangun, you look at Jalen Green, you look at Josh Christopher. A lot of these guys are going to be very intriguing um, just from the Rockets end alone. They probably also got, like, the best defender in this draft, Usman Garuba, yep. who is going to come in at, into the NBA as a great defender. Offensively, he has questions, but mm-hmm. defense, he's going to be a monster. I like that for sure. I think that another guy who I am intrigued by, um, not from the Rockets. I mean, the Rockets, of course, let's be real. I mean, you look at the draft, they're a rebuilding team. They made the most buzz there for sure. but also. Um, looking at that 2021 NBA draft, I think we got to touch on just for a little bit. It's not flashy, I, I don't think, but if we touch on just the New Orleans Pelicans and the Trey one Murphy. pick that, yep, you said Trey Murphy. I'm excited by him, uh, just what he brings to the table as far as the shooter. Yeah, he's been killing it in summer league and now in the preseason. Solid shooter with the size. Mm-hmm. Uh, defensively, he's, I think he's pretty polished where he knows where to be and be in the right places. He has good hands, and overall, like, he's just the kind of guy you want on a team to be that third or fourth guy. Exactly, exactly. And I think that he has, um, uh, like, you know, ability to kind of be a very good in that role. I'm intrigued by what he brings to the table there. I know he's going to get some run in New Orleans, and I think his impact will be pretty good uh, for a team that just especially needs spacing, and it has needed so over the, the course of the Zion Williamson era. But, um. Moving on from the young guys, just to the offseason as a whole. Anarud, what was the best offseason move from any of these teams? And again, you know, Spurs, I doubt you're going to bring up their edition of, of uh, Zach Collins, but, you know, I'll throw it out there as an entry that's not to be added to the list, but, you know, it's available. I am still on Zach Collins Island. Really? I'm hoping that man will. I think there's still a solid player that can come out of there. No longer a, a defensive player of the year candidate mm-hmm. after like five minutes I saw of him, but I still think that he can be a solid player. He's just been hampered by injury so much. But the offseason move that I actually think was the best in terms of, so there's two. One, in terms of like the best strategic decision mm-hmm. and then one, one that's the best for actual like player for the teams. And So the strategic one was the Spurs. I think okay. their DeRozan move was amazing. One, they got value back for him, and they didn't let him walk, so that's already good. And then also, they got some solid players back for him. Oh, just in, in terms of the hall, the hall of return. Yeah, you got uh, Thad Young, who I'm pretty high on. I yeah. think he's the guy who could probably be moved at the deadline for a first-round pick. You got Alfred Camino, who he's anything, someone will want him. And you just freed up a lot of space and you open up room for a bunch of the wings that you have on this team. You do. You free it up in a major way. I mean, the Spurs of all teams, I think, you know, you give a, a veteran, I think, in Thad Young that, I mean, he, he's been good for a Bulls team. I think he really wanted to clear the playoff mountaintop with them. And it is a shame that he won't be able to do that with them, you know, after being a good part of the success, but someone who can make plays off the short roll, you know, someone who can space out a little bit, handle a little bit, do everything a little bit. And I don't mean that in a disparaging way at all, but we'll provide some good veteran insight for these young guys, but in a way that won't be like DeMar DeRozan, where the guys 
automatically defer to DeRozan because DeRozan had what I think it was an all um, all star year last year. I really thought he should have been one, just considering his numbers, considering where the Spurs were at the All Star break, all of that. But I think the one negative I'd bring to the table because of that was that the Spurs too often deferred to DeRozan, um, and we didn't really see what they could all become. You know, um, I remember notably a stretch against Minnesota when DeRozan unfortunately cannot play. I think it was due to the death of his father, where the Spurs just kind of fell apart because they're like, oh, who's the guy? You know what I mean? And so I think in having a Thad Young, um, just most notably, you have a guy who can kind of settle the room in that way, but is it going to be a guy that the players automatically kind of throw the ball to in a way of, of limiting their own growth? Yeah, for sure. They they just kind of needed to clear the room and let their young guys play a little more. Like DeJounte Murray, I still think is a solid player who still has a lot of potential. Jakob Pertl is one of the best rope protectors in the league. Kelton mm. Johnson was pretty good, and we saw him in the Olympics, so he might get a boost from that. And Devin Vassell and Lonnie Walker, they're just serviceable wings. So they have a lot of young guys that just need some time to develop, and clearing up DeRozan and letting them have the ball in their hands a little more will help. Oh, definitely. And then that's not even mentioning, you know, their recent draft pick, Josh Primo, which was an interesting pick. Definitely not the most exciting rookie, and that's why he didn't make the cut, but also someone I'm very intrigued to see how he performs. So I'm definitely with you there. Um, yeah, that, that's kind of the most notable move for me as well that I think I like. I mean, the Rockets, um, you can mention the draft is what they did. Um, the Pelicans, I wasn't fond of their move at all. In fact, I guess we'll go to that in the next one. And the Grizzlies, uh, kind of the same thing. So um, let's kind of go to that. Uh, start with you, Andrew. What was the most, like, either worst or most confusing offseason move of these teams? Let's just – can I just say the Pelicans in general? Like, what Break the it down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you said it, though, for real. What? I have no clue. So, okay, so these were the moves, at least off the top of my head, that the Pelicans made. You lost Steven Adams, Lonzo Ball, Bledsoe, James Johnson, and Wes Mm-hmm. You drafted Trey Murphy and Herb Jones. You re-signed Josh Hart, uh, Willie Hernan Gomez. And then you added Devontae Graham, Jonas Valanciunas, Tomas Sadoransky, Garrett Temple. So. <laughs> it, it, it's a lot of questions. It, it's so a it's lot. Like, of, what mm-hmm. is this team trying to do? Because they're obviously under pressure from Zion. And that's their biggest concern right now is how do we make Zion happy and want to stay here? There's already rumblings about him being unhappy. And clearly the way to do that is, hey, win some more games, potentially make the playoffs. But you really just kind of threw yourself further back because there are two moves that I liked for them. The Adams for Valachuda swap, I liked. Mm-hmm. And resetting Josh Hart. I think those were two positive moves that made sense. Yeah, even with that unique deal that Hart's on. Basically, three years, 38, but it's like a, an option on an option on a U-blink first. No, U-blink first kind of deal. It's weird. Yeah, and I think it was just Josh Hart's a guy I like for them. Just mm-hmm. another bench guy that can play a little. Yeah, rebound a little bit. You know, like rebounding. He's a hustle guy. He'll play hard. Uh, but letting Lonzo walk as a restrict free agent, just kind of makes no sense because, like, one, New Orleans was never really going to get Kyle Lowry. So why delude yourself? You signed Devontae Graham to a four-year, $47 million deal, Mm -hmm. which is a bit much. Exactly. And he's no Kyle Lowry. (laughs) Yeah, that's, like, the gap there is unclear. Yep. 
And then you have, uh, you got Tomas Sanders, Sadoransky, and Garrett Temple, who are serviceable players, but you didn't really address any of your issues. No. You didn't get significantly better defensively, which was a big issue. And I will say that, like, a lot of that defense is because Brandon Ingram and Zion were really bad. Mm. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, your your two pillars weren't exactly uh, standouts on the um, on the on the defensive end. Yeah, and like Stephen Adams is serviceable, but I think when Stan Van Gundy got there, he was being a bit aggressive, and I don't think his scheme fit the personnel that he had. Mm-hmm. But in general, it's just like you didn't make the right moves that would thrust you forward. No, no. And, and 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 I feel like that that's what the Pelicans under David Griffin David Griffin have been. They just haven't made those moves. Do you think okay, let me just ask this out of it. Give me I give you um Zion Williamson. I give you Brent Ingram. Archetype wise, how are you building around that team? So the thing for me is like I want to build I think Zion could fit in an offense similar to what Giannis does, where okay. you space out. And you let him just drive to the rim and kick out. He's insanely unstoppable as a driver. Mm-hmm. So, and you have Brandon Ingram, who could kind of be like Chris Middleton, just a shot creator. He could shoot and has some size. So, I think they should kind of follow in that Bucks model where get shooters all around him and build a solid defense. <laughs> And yet somehow they've managed to not be able to do that year after year, you know, um, either. I mean, first you look at the disastrous moves last year that were just, they were ridiculed upon, upon arrival in terms of Eric Bledsoe. And I love seeing that. So just not a good fit at all. And now you bring in some, like you said, Jonas Valanciunas in theory will provide some spacing, even though that's not his game. You know what I mean? Maybe he turns into that. It wasn't Mark Saul's game or other base like that. They eventually like added it to a, a full-time component or, or, you know, their offensive contributions on that end. But like, as of right now, no, he didn't take that many from there. He took enough that he could take them, but not enough that he wants to just be stationed out there. You know what I mean? His bread and butter is still close to the basket, which, also, next is Zion. You bring in a guy, I, I like Garrett Temple, but like he's just an average wing player at this at this stage of his career, um, which is also, I might add, the latter stages of his career as well. Um, Trey Murphy's a, a piece of their nice young core. Uh, Willie Leonard Gomez being brought back, okay. You know what I mean? But like you said, going for Graham after first going for Kyle Lowry and Chris Paul, like you do realize that the Pelicans are not the Lakers or 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 – I don't know, the Warriors or any other team that could even make a semblance of legitimacy to that type of, of, of claim. We want you on our team. Like, I don't understand the, the unrealistic expectations to start paired with the overcompensation or rather the undercompensation to replace said unrealistic targets. And I feel like that's what New Orleans has done. And yeah, I, you, you said it. Their worst and most confusing move is just the Pelicans. Yeah, because it's like, so the Mavs also went for Kyle Lowry, and even I thought that was a little bit delusional. Touch. But that's not even the same level as the Pelicans, where you're not even the same league as Dallas. You haven't made the playoffs yet. No, it's nowhere near. You said it, it's it's nowhere it's nowhere near the same thing, and and that's what it, it's like. Have. I, and I, I think we, you know, having sports business classroom, I think we had some fun with this, but it's like having a really a realistic expectation of what you bring to the table, you know? 
what what yeah, are you what are you as a team have a realistic idea of what you are as as a roster as a unit as an organization yeah for sure because like if you think you're in that playoff hunt then you need to build accordingly which means you mm-hmm. need to upgrade your weaknesses you didn't really do that and then also why are you thinking that you're gonna be suddenly this free agent destination just because you have zion it's like sure he's great but you haven't proven that your team is successful yeah that's for sure and and if you don't have that to back it up then what are you what are you basically doing so now i'm 100 with you is i will defend the stephen adams thing just slightly I think the extension was a bad idea. I think getting Steven Adams to me was a solid move just because it reduced the load on Zion. Okay. Okay. So for like someone who can be in the paint and be a bruiser guy who can grab the boards. That was the only, I thought that was a solid move, but extending mm-hmm. it made no sense. No, especially for, for what? I, I, I just, like you said, it, 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 it was, you, you extend them before you even play the game. That's what threw me off. You know what I mean? Like, yes, we know what Steven Adams brings to the table. He's not automatically extend. You know what I mean? He's a, a good, solid player who knows his role. Um, I just didn't like it because of the spacing. I just didn't think Zion, and he didn't do it yet. Maybe he brings in more in the future. It's not really extended to a reliable mid-range game, much less after three. Outside of that first game he ever played with against the Spurs, which was hilarious in retrospect, um, because he basically avoided those shots largely. But it's like, on the offensive end, you know what Stephen M's going to bring. He has a nice little floater around the basket. He can finish, you know, a dunks, that sort of thing. He's not an offensive center like that, right? So you don't have that from him. And if you have a zone who needs to live around the rim and the gravity he brings to the basket just by his sheer presence, then how do you have any space? That was my issue uh, before, like off the bat. Like, you're right, the rebounding definitely helped and having someone to do some of the grunt work. That's Stephen Adams in a nutshell, and I love it about him. But in terms of just the overall fit and totality, I, I wasn't a fan. And then the extension happens, and it's like, what, why? You know, so I look at him now in Houston. I mean, not Houston, in Memphis, and I like that a lot better. Oh, for sure. And I think the other thing about the Pelicans is just the concerns about Zion. Like, he got hurt again. Uh, hopefully this doesn't seem too serious. I think it was just a metacarpal injury, mm-hmm. but I mean, looking at him, he looks a lot bigger and not in a good way. Yes. Yeah. You and, said it. Like theoretically, I think that you can run him like, like Giannis offensively, but Giannis is in great conditioning and he can run a full 48 minutes and just be fine. Zion, we still haven't seen that from. He can get burned out pretty quickly. So they yeah, have that, to be worried about that and make sure that he gets into good conditioning. I agree 100% because that's just not his – his body type is such that he can go from being, okay, playing weight to just being overweight in that way and not in a way conducive. I don't say – I think that you can adapt as a player, you know, with your, but with your body type. I don't dig too deep into how effective you can be. Um, in that way, I mean, I used to, I don't, well, I mean, way before my time, but I was watching, um, you heard, uh, you know, Oliver Miller, or you've like heard of him. Oliver Miller. I think I've heard the name. Yeah. Just, uh, I would Google it. He's someone I like every time I bring up Zion, I think about him. Cause he was a, a big man who's a big man, like just out of playing shape in, in every sense of the word, but like he could play, you know, had some nice low post skills, a soft touch all of that. It was, it was a really good guy. So I don't buy too much into that in that way, because I'm like, you know, like, whatever, you can still be effective on the floor, but with the way Zion plays now, like you need to be like where he's at right now is not where he needs to be. You know, I think we can all agree on that. For sure. And then just defensively, like 
back in college, he was a defensive monster. Mm-hmm. And we haven't seen that in the NBA. And a lot of defense is just effort. Can you put the effort to become a solid defender? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of players who don't have the physical tools to be good defenders, but just by paying attention and putting forth effort, they can be solid defenders. And Zion has the tools to do so. So yeah. he should be a good defender, but right now he just they would not. be concerned. Nope. I agree with you on that for sure, man. That that whole team, man, they are uh, they are interesting. They're frustrating. I, I look forward to seeing what they have to bring to the table, but I also worry, you know? Um, I, and this is coming from a guy and myself who, after five games last season, nominated Brandon Ingram as an MVP candidate. So that tells you a lot about uh, about uh, wow. my, my okay. yeah. I talk about jumping to conclusions. I jumped into that. That was a lake, man. I don't know what I was thinking. The funny thing is, I don't even remember the five games he played. I just said, you know, he keeps this up, he could be MVP candidate. No, if he kept that up for maybe two years, he could be. I don't know. I, I was just I, it was I was lost on a route. It was a, it was a long year. Um, but the going, one thing though uh, is yeah. As just like a, a little hope of mine, if there's ever a garbage time, I want them to run a double post offense with Zion and Jonas. Just play volleyball above the key, constantly passing back and forth until someone gets good position score. I just want to see wow. what that will do. Hashtag living dangerously, right? <laughs> no, I People, get it, Just though. ignore the three other people. Just ignore Brandon Ingram. Just play through the post. Just play through the post. It's like no one else exists. Feed it immediately. We're going back to the Twin Towers, babe. We're going back to what? The 90, um, the 98, 99 San Antonio Spurs. Yeah, except instead of Tim Duncan and David Robinson, you have <laughs> Jonas Valanciunas and Zion. Just a little bit of a step down, even with as good as Zion is. <laughs> for sure, for sure. But um, looking ahead, uh, what are some things that you're looking forward to seeing from this division? I mean, you look at these teams here, for the most part, you have a contending team or a pseudo-contending team in – the um, Dallas Mavericks, you have clear developmental teams in the Houston Rockets, Memphis Grizzlies, uh, the Pelicans should be there, and the Spurs also should be there, but, like, I don't know if they know that they're there, you know, <laughs> but, like, what do you what do you kind of look at with these with these spots? So, I think, so, just going back in the NBA, like, I think this is a, it's been a while since the Southwest Division has, has been this bad. You had the yeah. Rockets for a long time who were Cream of the contending crop. against the Warriors. You obviously had the Spurs, one of the best dynasties of all time. You had the Grand Grand Grizzlies, and you had the Dirk Mavs. And this was a really good division for a while. And right now, like a lot of those teams are just rebuilding. Yeah, it is. It's definitely different in that way. It, it definitely is different because you're right. It's it's all it's all just you're looking at these teams that we've known for a while, and you're trying to take stock in that way. Of like, okay, well, this team will be in the top, you know, ten, or this team will be, you know, here in this in this division right now. It's like who will be at the bottom, and that is the most intriguing conversation. When that is the most intriguing, that tells you just how not how far teams have fallen because this is the developmental cycle of an NBA team. It's just where we happen to catch all these teams right now. Yeah, it's just all of these teams ended up being at the same spot at the exact same time, and that's just kind of it's interesting, but. I think the things that are really interesting, like obviously Dallas is the one team that's kind of an outlier here because they're they're closer to being contending than the Grizzlies are, for instance. Um, but I think the Pelicans and the Grizzlies just seeing the young guys flourish. You have John Morant and Zion, who are two of the most electrifying work, uh, young guys who've had great seasons so far. But 
what their the rest what they can add to their game. Like no one can tell me that John Morant is a perfect prospect. He still has a lot of things to work on, and same thing with Zion. So just seeing how those two evolve over time, like this is a third season, they should get they should improve significantly. And then seeing some of the other younger guys on those teams, like Pelicans have a bunch of them. Like uh I like Nikhil Alexander Walker. I think Jackson Hayes has shown they can be a rotation player. Um, Kira Lewis will be a solid player for them and just seeing what young guys flourish on these teams. You there? Oh my gosh. I've been rattling on and on and uh didn't realize that I was on mute, my friend. Oh goodness. Fun. That'd be fun to me. That'd be fun to that'd be fun to edit out. But anyway, what I was saying was that I completely agree with you. Um, because the one thing that this kind of um division has right now, although we have a, a plethora of rebuilding teams, you have rebuilding teams with in with interesting prospects. Um, the worst thing you want to be is a team that is a bad team that you know going into the season is going just gonna lose, you know lose and lose and lose but don't have like a beacon of hope you know um young guys you could look at to say okay you know what on the next best iteration of x team i can see this guy being this you know and being able to chart their progress from the beginning of the season you know to the trade deadline to the end of the year and between you know the rockets like you said the pelicans the spurs there are guys littered up and down this roster the grizzlies are made of this that have guys that you know are going to develop before our eyes and we will be able to see them and they're going to get a, a, a force-fed minutes just because they make up the majority of the rosters. Yeah, for sure. Like, you saw the Grizzlies make that move for Valanciunas or uh, move to for Steven Adams and Bledsoe. They eventually dealt Bledsoe, but just in general, they made the move for the future and moved up the draft to get uh, Sarah Williams. And they, they put aside their veterans for getting younger, and it looks like they're going to take a slight step back, but just letting those young guys play a little more. I this I think the Anthony Melton will finally start instead of Dylan. Uh, now that um, what's his name? Now that he just went to Milwaukee. Um, Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen. Yeah. Now that he's gone, I think the Anthony Melton will start, and I just want him to play because that dude's great. Um, and then Jaw, like you saw in the preseason, he's taking a lot more off the dribble threes. If he can get improve that part of his game he'll be a great point guard for a lot long time he's already one of the best finishers at the rim and it's hard to stop him as is but if he can develop a shot he'll be unstoppable i i completely agree if he can get outside shot especially with the way he blazes to the rim you know and, and a little more defensive aptitude like this guy he's easily he's gonna be a star either way but he can be like that next tier of, of star you know um and he's someone I'm very intrigued by. De'Anthony Melton as well, someone who has improved his outside shot. I remember when he could not really shoot that when he first entered the league. And look at him now, and he's made himself into a very decent shooter um, with room to grow into even more than that. So definitely I'm excited for that. And I guess that leads to my next question for you, Anarud, which is of all these teams, and like you said, except for the Mavericks, most of these squads are you know starting back from the from the bottom or like the Grizzlies just continuing their rise. Which of these teams has the best long-term outlook? I think the Grizzlies. So here's, okay. so I think the answer most people might say is the Pelicans. 
because they have Zion. Yeah. But here's my concerns with that. One, Zion has already said that he's unhappy. Or at least okay. it's come out that he feels that way. Mm-hmm. And it's coming up on extension time. So if he doesn't extend, if if they lose Zion, this franchise is screwed. They lost AD, and now if they lose Zion too, and they haven't really been building well. Like they have this is their third coach in three years. That's so, true. Despite having a lot of picks and young players and significant talent, I think overall this team is just kind of chaotic and isn't really going anywhere. Whereas the Grizzlies, you have your guy, John Moran and Jaron Jackson Jr., who could break out this year, I think has a real shot once now that he's healthy. Mm-hmm. And in general, this team has a direction. They know what they're doing. They have a bunch of young guys that can play. And there are a lot of them are under contract also. So just in general, I think this team has a clear direction and they'll probably get there further. Then, then, then if not, no, I agree. I think that they're interesting because you look at quality versus quantity in that way. And yeah, quality, you look at Zion as like the next best guy. But like you said, if he leaves that team, it's like New Orleans post Anthony Davis all over again, except with Anthony Davis, they at least had that new you know they at least had that crop of laker talent you know one of which in brandon ingram you're building around as well as that pick as well but you wouldn't have a whole lot to go off of if you lose zion i mean you're not going to get equal trade for that you know what i mean I mean, equal value for that and if he's already unhappy you're already putting yourself on the rocks because especially now with players earlier you know hey they seek out the situation or they're drafting the situation if they don't like it you're on borrowed time even if you have them under contract you know that that doesn't mean uh absolute certainty so that is definitely something interesting for sure. Um, I definitely agree with you in terms of the Grizzlies as well. Pelicans have too much going on. Spurs, I'm still trying to figure out their situation. But I'm going to actually go with the Rockets. And I'm going to go with the Rockets because I love the talent that they just uh, acquired in terms of Jalen Green, in terms of Alperin Shingun, uh, you know, bringing in that jo- in Josh Christopher as well. But you already had young guys. You already had um, Kevin Porter Jr. You had uh, KJ, Kenyon Martin Jr. You know, you have these guys already. Um, Jay Sean Tate uh, as well. These guys who are already young, you know, 23, 24, and, or 24, 23 and younger, who are going to be growing together. And the excitement and the athleticism that they bring with a coach in Steven Silas, who I definitely respect as, as an NBA mind in terms of how he runs and kind of orchestrates offenses. If they could just get some defensive aptitude and a couple of guys here and there, maybe another high draft pick next year or the year after, I like where Houston can be. Yeah, for sure. They have a lot of young talent. Uh, I just think the Grizzlies will probably get to a better place faster just because their guys are a little bit older. But definitely in terms of just raw talent, this team is full of it. You have Jalen Green, Alperin Shengun, Usman Garuba, Josh Christopher. You have the returning guys like Kevin Porter Jr., Kenya Martin Jr. This is a solid team, and you still have vets like Daniel Tice who can help out and teach some things to the big guys. So this team isn't really nowhere near contending now, but they have a lot of really high upside guys mm-hmm. that they can build a solid foundation on. For sure, for sure. And that and that, and that is exciting just to be able to kind of see where they go, you know. But yeah, and the they Grizzlies still have uh-huh. a bunch of picks from the Nets and oh. Pacers, I think. Yep. From that, from being involved in those trades, so the, the the treasure trove of talent can potentially continue because this team won't be good next year. But like where they end up can be very exciting. Um, I guess at least my last question for you on the route, as far as the division in totality, uh, probably more, more interesting to kind of hear your answer toward the bottom, but from top to bottom, who will, who will finish where in the division? 
So I think number one is Mavs kind of head and shoulders above everyone else. Uh, next would probably be the Grizzlies, Pelicans, Spurs, and then Rockets. I think the Spurs are just a little too good to be at the absolute bottom. That's the problem, yeah. Like, they don't have that number one guy yet, but they just have a, a lot of solid players on that team. And mm-hmm. you have Greg Popovich, so he's not going to let you just outright tank. No. that's that. Yeah. And then also, I think just teams that are solid defensively tend to just win a couple more games based on that. Mm-hmm. So And the Spurs have a lot of really good defenders. Dejounte Murray is a great on-ball defender. You have Keldon Johnson, Devin Vassell, and then Yaka Pirtle. So this team will just play solid and will probably just win a couple of games and not be as bad as they need to be to get that number one guy. Would you think, would you say that uh, San Antonio probably has the worst outlook of these teams? Yeah, because they don't have that number one guy yet. Like at mm-hmm. least New Orleans has Zion where they can at least some have some optimism, even though they're ruining it right now. But Spurs need to get bad enough to actually get that number one guy. Like you saw OKC last year. Yeah. OKC tanked and they still got the sixth pick. That's true. That's true. That's true. I mean, it, it, you're right. This being able to, and, and, and that's saying a lot because they were clearly trying to move up, you know? So being, it's like, and, and, and Josh Giddy, as good as he is, I, I doubt he's the guy that, okay, okay, so he's going to definitely go back to the drawing boards. You'd agree next year, right? Yeah, for sure. They're going to tank again. They'll probably just do the same thing while they're playing great the first half. Just let Shea Gildas Alexander win a bunch of games, potentially be an all-star. I think he is actually like close to an all-star talent. He might not get voted in just because of how bad the Thunder are. Mm-hmm. And they'll probably just take him off the floor and let him rest. They'll probably play a bunch of their older vets to try to send them to another team. But it's a, they, they know what they're doing. They're going to try to be as bad as possible to get that number one pick. And then that's what's important for them. And you're right. The Spurs need to have something of a similar outlook. I doubt that happens while Greg Popovich is at the helm. And it's a shame because I understand that, you know, he wants to win. And the way that the, the, the Spurs dynasty kind of ended was, was kind of abrupt. Even, you know, they try to do a transition, um, you know, from uh, Tim Duncan more to uh, LaMarcus Aldridge, but then the, uh, ascension of Kawhi kind of changed that and then the abrupt um, departure of him and then as good as DeMar DeRozan was he wasn't any of them you know what I mean so it's been kind of just a steep decline in that way of fielding competitive rosters to win a couple of games but not enough to to make a lot of noise just on the outs- outskirts of the playing tournament and that doesn't appear to be changing you know and unfortunately the team path doesn't appear to be changing because Greg Popovich just stuffed the helm and obviously he wants to continue to win um, at 72 I doubt he's going to try to undergo a rebuilding process so it's a shame, but at the same time, you know, it kind of, it is what it is there. Uh, definitely not something that you um, are excited for as a Spurs fan. But then again, you have guys like Kelton Johnson, guys like, uh, you know, Josh Primo, Dejounte Murray, all these younger guys that you can look at to see kind of where they go. So that is exciting. They feel a bit kind of like the magic where they were, where they would just kind of be in the chase for that eighth seed, but never be bad enough to get that number one pick and never be good enough to actually advance further. So it's a it's a bad spot to be in. But on the other hand, I mean, it's great that you're going to let these young guys develop now and actually play a lot more 
and potentially they could be in the playing race if DeJounte Murray takes a leap or Kelvin Johnson takes a leap. Like they're, they're young enough to where I think there's still a chance of that happening. That's true. That's true. And I mean, we'll see. I, I just want to know what, okay. One last question. What do you think? Um, let's say DeJounte Murray offensively, I think his three point game is, is going to be the biggest thing. I think his pull up mid range jumper is okay. He can get to the basket. He has some size on him defensively. You know what he brings to the table, but is that something you would consider like uh, something that, okay, if I give this to DeJounte, he's like a sub all-star candidate. Yeah, for sure. If he gets a solid outside shot that just opens up because he's great at driving to the rim. He does have a little bit of mid-range game. Um, he was working on a floater last year a little more. Mm-hmm. And defensively, he's a great on-ball guy. So if he can just add that outside shot, I think it'll just open up more lanes for him to drive. That's true. That's true. I'm intrigued by that for sure. And, and intrigued by all these teams in the division, Anarud. I want to thank you for coming on with me and, and kind of breaking this down. This is a, a couple of teams here that, yeah, you know, we're not looking at these guys um, come May but with the exception of Dallas, maybe, but all have intriguing things to definitely check out for during the season. Do you mind if I go on a little rant about Dallas real quick? You know what? I give you the entire floor, sir. Have at it. <laughs> all right. So it's not really a rant, but just about the young guys. The oh, team. yeah, for sure. So just because I felt like we brushed them off. but We did, yeah. They do, I have, some, up. They do have some interesting guys. Like Tyrell Terry has been away from the team uh, dealing with some personal issues, so – Hopefully, wish the best for him. But for sure. Josh Green looks still really raw, but he's an energy guy. I think Willie Cauley-Stein might be moved at some point because Moses Brown just looks a lot better at catching lobs than Willie Cauley-Stein does. He has some of the worst hands I've ever seen. He just can't <laughs> catch a lob. They're that bad. Wow. He's so fast. That's crazy. I, I wonder, I guess hands definitely aren't taught, right? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, Dwight Powell wasn't a great lob catcher early on, but like being with Luca just made him into a good uh, pick and roll guy. But Willie Collie Stein, it's been two years. He still hasn't really been able to, he's been okay defensively, just offensively, he's not that great. Um, and then, you have this weird thing with Trey Burke where he's probably going to be moved soon just because of the vaccination stuff. Yeah. Oh, I um, didn't realize he, he's, he's not. Yeah. No, he's not vaccinated. He's the only one as far as that's been reported on the Mavericks. Oh, man. So he might be moved. And there is just kind of like this backlog of point cards where you have uh, Tyrell Terry – who was the draft pick last year. Mm-hmm. You have Jalen Brunson and Luca who are going to stay. You have Trey Burke, who's the, kind of that third guard. Yeah. And you have Carly Jones, who's one of their two-way guys. And he looks really good. Really? Okay. And he so- reminds me a lot of campaign. Kind okay. of looks like him too. Wow. But just a solid game. It kind of feels like he just knows what to do on the floor. He doesn't He's not too aggressive. He's definitely a score first kind of guy, but he's a solid passer. And then the other two way guy, Yuji Nomoroi. I will die on a hill for this man. He scored guy. 19 points and 14 on 14 shots the other night. Oh wow. Oh wow. He's just a presence. Defensively, he's blocking shots, getting to passing lanes, crashing the boards, and he's just a really good cutter. 
he has an okay shot too. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a chance that he could actually fit into the rotation at Dallas this year. Wow. That, I mean, wow. That, I, I look at those guys now and I feel bad I didn't bring them up before. <laughs> I wasn't aware as much, you know, and I, I guess I took too much stock on how much veterans the Mavs will play. Uh, brief note on Trey Burke, though, I did not realize that his points per game have gone down every year he's been in Dallas. Like you can't have, I mean, unfortunately in this, in, in this climate, you know, the way you're, you're not bringing to the table, your, 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 your game has not been great. And then of course, just not being available, which is a thing in this NBA as well. Uh, you're not really giving yourself a, a great kind of uh, platform to begin to stay on the team. And honestly, I don't know where you get another shot if it's not Dallas right now. Yeah. He's probably like when Rick Carlisle was here, he's probably like the worst player for Rick Carlisle, just a guy who, will kind of freelance and do his own thing. And then if the second he makes a mistake, Rick will just take him out of the floor and mm-hmm. bench him. And I think that's kind of just what happened to Trey Burke. Like he had that bubble run where he was great and actually like a really solid option. I think that's why Dallas extended him. But ever since then, he's been kind of just relegated to being that third guy who sometimes will get minutes, but mostly won't. Now, I I think he probably will be out soon and onto another team. Which I mean that I, it's 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 something that I mean. Listen, he hasn't been a big boost for Dallas. I don't think since what his first year. I think was when he made the most impact. Would you agree? I think it was just that bubble. Just that bubble. Surely the bubble. It, it, it is what it is. It's a shame, but it is what it is. You're right. Like, I don't think – I don't even have anything to say. Like, you're right. Like, I remember him being an impact player a while ago. Every time I think of Trey Burke, I'm not going to lie. I look back to when he um, had that, that Allen Iverson phase. That's what I call it, when he's rocking the, 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 the braids in New York. Oh, yeah, for sure. And he couldn't miss for a little stretch. That's what I remember most. But aside from that, I mean, he's just not been a productive basketball player, and it's a shame, um, but it is what it is, and you're right. Like, he got a shot with Dallas, but – at uh, this stage, yeah, if he's not long for them, then, it, again, it is what it is, you know? I mean, it was cool to see the Michigan backcourt back with Tim Hardaway and Trey Burke. Oh, but... man, how how far? I It almost is discouraging to me when that happens, man. You know why? Because you look at them, and those guys are both stars. And mind you, no disrespect to Tim Hardaway Jr. He has carved out a tremendous, year, uh, a tremendous career for himself. He has made money in his career. Like, he is good. But, like, you look at what Trey Burke is, and it's like, I don't know. They, they look like so they look like bonafide stars. And now one they is like just, a very solid role player. One is on the outskirts of the league, barely. Yeah, they were just so flashy for their time. Yeah. And yeah, Hardaway's been kind of just the solid role player. And I think there would have been people who thought Trey Burke would have been the better player at, at the time. Yeah, and, and it's the answer is nowhere close. You know what I mean? Like I would have said the same thing that, and I didn't watch about college basketball that much back then, but like that would have been the, that would have been the, um, that would have been the closest out of Like, like if I was to have made any predictions, that would have been the year I made predictions. Like, yeah, Trey Burke, look at what he brings to the table. This guy's not an Allen Iverson light, but he's small, but flashy gets to the rim. He's going to be solid. And, and, and you see him and it's like, it's just whatever you're looking for. It just unfortunately isn't there, you know? His handle is just awesome to watch. This point's there. Genuinely just getting to the rim. Like, when he gets into his bag, it just looks great. And Mm -hmm. it reminds me of Iverson a lot, but nowhere near the same level of skill and 
fastball IQ. But yeah, looks like Trey Burke might be out of the league soon or at least out of Dallas soon. Hopefully he gets a shot at another team. Hopefully, for sure. But I don't want to end on a sour note with uh, with Trey Burke's sadness on the route. Do you have any like any last kind of overarching uh, themes for this uh, conference before I let you go? I'd say just in general, watch out for the Mavs. I think everyone's kind of put them down because they got Jason Kidd, but mm-hmm. so far the team looks pretty good in general. Just the energy seems high on this team. Jason Kidd hasn't really done anything that makes me want to rip my hair out yet. That's a plus. And I have liked some of the things he's done. Like they're having Luca come off screens a lot more and be a, starting off without the ball and giving the ball like Sterling, Sterling Brown or Tim Hardaway or Jalen Brunson and just kind of experimenting and they're trying a lot of new things. So I think with that and then KP just looking great, hopefully it's, it's sustainable. Mm-hmm. Dallas could be a real threat. Okay. Hey, check it out, guys. Make sure, make sure to stay tuned for Dallas. See how it all comes together. Christoph Porzingis is definitely on my watch list. In fact, I should have you on one more time, man. Well, plenty more times, but just one more time before the season starts for, like, what we're most excited for across the NBA. But um, we'll definitely say that for after the show. But listen, y'all, Anaru, thank you again for coming back on and, and, and breaking this Southwest division down for me. Definitely an interesting uh, unit to be looking at. Thank you for having me. Oh, great to talk to you. Always, man. Always. Definitely make sure to check on the route here. Uh, listen, he, 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 this, he is exclusive content. You want to get to on the route, check out the Rambo Ramble podcast. Uh, he will be here on regular several more. Like he's going to be something regular. He doesn't know it yet, but you know, you know it now, man. Um, but listen, you know, the what a contract to me at some point. <laughs> it's, hey, it got caught. Okay. It's on the way. I'm telling you, snail mail, but it is coming, sir. <laughs> but, um, you can find me on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Uh, check out Hoopball on Twitter at Hoopball Tweets, online hoop-ball.com. Uh, we are a partner with Manscaped, so definitely make sure to check out Manscaped, manscaped.com. Plus, I got the hookup for y'all. Get 20% off plus free shipping with the code Hoopball20. That's 20% off plus free shipping with the code Hoopball20, H-O-O-P. B-A-L-L-2-0. Definitely make sure to take advantage of that great offer. Uh, for Honor Rude, for myself, We are frosty. Y'all stay frosty, and I will talk to y'all real, real soon. All right, y'all.